0: Hi, this is Bill Cecil, and I want to welcome you to episode number five of the podcast series, Best Year Ever or Bust. This is the podcast series designed to help uplift, motivate, and empower each of you teachers out there, you heroes out there to have your best year ever by helping you help your students make it their best year ever. No matter any and all challenges that you may face, that's the or bust part of this podcast series, right? That I'm 100% all in, nothing is going to get me off track from making it my students best year ever because I'm on a mission to also make it my best year ever. So it's that determination, that grit that this podcast series is all about. So if you're into that and that's something you're looking to do, I'm glad you're tuning in and I want to thank you for doing that. There's also a podcast series, though, and I keep trying to remind you to tell you this. We haven't really gotten into this a whole lot yet, but we're going to be getting more and more into it, and that is how to also tap into the higher purpose and stay tapped into the higher purpose of your teaching so that it will help keep your passion for what you're doing burning bright and strong so it will help you also be able to face those challenges that you're going to be facing throughout your career and notice I say will be facing because again this is a very challenging profession I'm sure I don't have to tell you that even if you're brand new I'm sure you're aware of that already but it's also the most gratifying profession I can think of. And so I'm so glad you're a part of it. And I'm glad that I hopefully get a chance to help you do what I love doing for my 31 years when I had the chance to do it. First off, before I go any further, I do want to thank you for listening again. Uh, I don't take this for granted. I know how busy you are. You're giving me some of your precious time to listen. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And even more so if you're taking the time to share it out to other people so I can try to help uplift, motivate, and empower them as well because I'm, I'm really trying to get this word out to as many teachers and educators as possible to build a force throughout education that we are in this to win this, we are not going to let anything hold us back. So, thank you for doing that. So, today, my goal is I want to share the third of the four strategies that I used at the start of each school year to build my team into a winning team and also help to create a positive, safe learning environment that I call setting the table for success. And if you remember, setting the table for success means you take time to get these things in place to build this strong foundation that you're going to be building on the rest of the year to make it the best ever so that you have more time to teach the curriculum, which is really what you're there to do. That's what they're paying you to do. And more importantly, that your students have more time to learn. So this is the four strategies that will really help to build that strong foundation that will build your team into a winning team and your classroom into a positive, safe learning environment that everybody can thrive in today I want to talk about the third of the four strategies. If you remember in strategy number two, I talked about the importance of creating a shared vision. And in episode number four, the last one that I just did, we talked about taking time to build your team, the importance of that. And, and by the way, these next two strategies I'm going to be talking about in the next two weeks I love these two strategies because, for example, if you're a new teacher, if you're a student teacher working to become a a teacher, um, and if you're a teacher that's in it the profession, but you feel like you could sharpen your, your game right now, especially with all the challenges coming at you and with the classroom management piece of it, these are the two that you can make really quick adjustments in your classroom and have big, big improvements this is where you get the most i think bang out of your buck if you can really nail them down and and focus on those as you work on these four strategies uh especially over the course of 30 days the first 30 days are ideal but if you're picking this up somewhere in the middle of the year that just take the next 21 to 30 days and it, I guarantee you it's going to save you a lot of time and make a huge impact in your classroom. By the way, and I do want to share this for student teachers out there, I just got done talking to a group of student teachers the other night and I was telling them that these four strategies are really going to help them in several ways. And, and I think it's worth every teacher hearing, but I want to really stress this little piece right here for student teachers. For example, I told them that if you can really nail down these four strategies, especially these next two, you're going to help get a glowing letter from the people that are evaluating you that's going to uh, Finish up your student teaching, and that you know when you go to look for a job, these are going to be the things that they're going to write in letters or your evaluations. That's going to go in your portfolio, and that the people looking to hire new teachers are going to be looking through your resumes or your portfolios, and they're going to be going, ooh, look at these evaluations, look at these two letters or whatever, and they're going to say these these are really strong. These are these are going to bring yours to the top of the pile and get you a better chance to get an interview. And so by doing these four strategies, I think it's going to make you stand out. Where you're going to help get those glowing reports that's going to make your resume or or portfolio stand out. And then you're going to get the interview. And in the interview, I can guarantee you because I sat on many interviewing teams throughout my career, you're going to be sitting in the interview and at some point there's going to be an administrator that's probably in the building or a district administrator or both sitting in the interview, probably somebody at your level you're going to be working with could be your teaching partner or partners, but there's going to be people sitting around the table and they're going to be listening very carefully to how you answer questions. And I guarantee you this question is going to come up in some way, some shape or form throughout the interview because I've sat on many of these interviews. And the, the basic question is, how are you going to manage your team? And they may ask it several different ways. They may say, how are you going to set up and run your classroom? How are you going to deal with students that sometimes struggle with their engagement? How are They're going to ask it a million different ways, possibly. But that's really what they're going to be asking. And this is probably the most important question in the interview, because they want to know, how green are you coming in? Because the more they have to help you, that's more time things that they have to work on. But it also could be more potential, I guess, headaches where, you know, the principals or the teacher that you're working with are getting phone calls from the parents saying, hey, what about your partner? They seem to be struggling. or This new teacher seems to be struggling in these areas. And so if they can hear you say things that will help minimize some of their worries about that, that's to your advantage. So here's what I want you to do. When they ask you this question, you're going to look at them and you're going to smile. Believe me, you got to do this. You got to have the courage to do this. It's going to pay off. You look at them and you smile and you say, oh, I'm so glad you asked me this question. I've given this question a lot of thought right there. You're, you're miles ahead of most people. You sound relaxed and you sound confident and glad that they asked that question. You said, I've given this question a lot of thought and I've thought of four specific things I'm going to do to help build my team into a winning team and to build a positive, safe learning environment. That's going to help all my students have more time to learn and to give me more time to teach. And if you have time, I I can just tell you what they are briefly, or I can give you as much detail as you want. But definitely, I have four things in mind. And from there, you're off and running because they're going to probably ask you more follow up questions. And you can say, Yeah, let me tell you about the first one. Let me tell you about the second one. Let me tell you about. So you'll have these with you. And I guarantee that's going to get you that first job. And when you get that first job, it's like riding a bike with training wheels on. You know, you're gonna, you've had, right now, if you're a student teaching, you have your training wheels on. You got somebody running behind you, you got your training wheels on, so you know, you're not gonna fall. But when you're in your own classroom for the first time, you're gonna be in there by yourself, totally by yourself most days, and you're not gonna have your training wheels on. You're gonna be riding this bike on your own. But what's great is instead of just trying to survive your first year, You're going to lean on these four things as your invisible training wheels, and you're going to have these to help keep you up and running strong and help you thrive. And so that's what the goal is. So this works for every teacher at every level. I I did these four strategies every single year I taught because these built the foundation. So for this third strategy, what I want to talk about today is how to teach, model, and practice the procedures you want your team to follow. Let me say that again. That's really important. I'm going to teach you how to teach, model, and practice the procedures you want your team to follow. This strategy will save you lots and lots of time and cut down on so much frustration and stress that you may have in the classroom when you don't have these procedures in place. And like I said, it's going to increase your teaching time and your students' learning time. So this is an area in your classroom, I guarantee you that if you have problems going on in your classroom right now, kids are talking, when you ask them to stop talking, they're still talking, or they come in and it takes so long to get from transition from outside back inside to focusing again on the lessons that you're trying to teach. These could be procedural problems. You think of them as behavior problems, which I guess they are, but really they could be more procedural problems. And so what I want you to do is I want you to think of coming in with as many procedures as you can that will help your class run more smoothly and cut down on the wasted time and frustration that you might be feeling, as well as your students that are wasting, you know, their time being wasted watching you try to put out other brush fires in the room that don't need to be, shouldn't need to be put out every day. And so this is a really, really important strategy. I I define procedures as activities that we perform on a daily basis or so often that they become a habit that we don't even have to think about them anymore. I'll give you an example. I'm not a morning person, but my last few years of teaching, I was teaching, uh, I was getting up at 4 in the morning to get ready for work. I'm not a morning person. (laughs) Four in the morning was early. And I'll tell you why I got up so early is because my school day started at 7.30 in the morning when the kids came in. I had to usually be there, you know, at least half hour early. But I wanted to get there at least an hour early. So I would get up at four in the morning so I could get up, get dressed, go work out, let the dog out, let the dog back in, make my lunch, shower, shave, whatever, get in the car, drive to work, and still have an hour before anybody else got there to get to the copy machine so that I'm not standing in line wasting my time in the morning. And some people coming in, and maybe they're in a negative mood because they're waiting in line for the copy machine like me and they start complaining. And before I even see my students, now I'm dealing with negatives. So I would go in before anybody else got there, no line, get my copies made, get in my room, get the room set up, have my music playing, get everything ready to go, my mindsets ready to go and what was nice if anybody else came in and had a problem they knew they could come and see me in the morning because I would always give them time I'd say yeah I got time I, I'm, I'm all set up what do you need and so we would talk out problems they might be having it wasn't complaining sessions it was a problem solving session and so that was pretty cool but these procedures I had to be able to get up and do in the morning because I was not going to be able to get up every morning and start fresh and go okay so now let me think what am I going to do first what am I going to do second you know which leg do I put in first in my pants and I, I didn't I, I was sleeping. And I was ha- I was sleepwalking through some of these things. So what happened was I made them procedures that I'd do the same thing every morning. I'd get up and I'd get dressed, let the dog out, start to make my lunch while the dog's outside, let the dog back in, go downstairs, work out, come up, finish making my lunch if I had to, go up and shower, shave, and then get dressed. And next thing you know, I'm in my car and I'm at work. But... I'll be honest, there were times when I'd get to work and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember even like working out this morning, but I had done it. It's because there were procedures in place and they became a habit. And that's what you want in your classroom. You don't have to Every day, stop what you're doing and explain how we line up. You don't want to have to explain every single day how we make this transition from outside to inside or from this subject to this subject or what do the kids do when they first come into the classroom. So my guess is that each of you have morning procedures, so you get what I'm talking about. So you want to carry these procedures into your teaching and and realize how important they are. Well-run classrooms are full of procedures that keep things running smoothly with few interruptions. That's the thing I want you to think about. In my room, I'll just give you a couple of examples. If you, By the way, if you go to my book, uh, my playbook, Best Year Ever, Winning Strategies to Thrive in Today's Classroom, which is found on my website, bestyearever.net, I have, I think, 20-something procedures, or at least 20 procedures on page 59 and 60 in my book that I used in my classroom. So if you're thinking about, how many procedures can I think of, this would be a good start. You can go right to my book and find them. In my classroom, some of the procedures were, winning to turn in assignments. Where do you put your late assignments? Do I have a special place for those? And when do you turn those in? How do you respond when I ask questions? When can you respond? Or, you know, when can you ask a question? When's the best time to ask questions? Or, if, you know, when's the best time to get up and sharpen a pencil if you have a wall sharpener, which I don't know if there's many of those left in the world that tells you how old I am again, but I had wall sharpeners and we'd have guest speakers and kids would get up and <laughs> grinding on that pencil sharpener. It would be embarrassing and it'd be a distraction for the guest. So I taught my kids procedures how that wouldn't happen. They would simply put their pencil down on their table and as I walked around with the guests when they were doing their work and they were talking I'd give them a new pencil I had some in my hand and I'd give them a new pencil so they could just patiently wait I'd get them one they didn't have to get up and sharpen it and distract the person it sounds like a little thing but it can be a big thing because then once one kid does it then they all want to do it and this and that when can they use the bathroom how you know these are all procedures they have they want to know when can I use my phone that's an issue in, in some classrooms or schools now so the more procedures you can figure out in your mind and set up a schedule to teach, model, practice them with your students and then celebrate them when they do it, you're going to be miles ahead of everybody else. So that's the main thing. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I want I want you right now to do a quick activity for me if you don't mind. What I want you to do is when I say go, I'm going to have you just t- push pause on this recording and I want you, please don't don't skip over this take out a piece of paper or on your computer, start for, let's say, a minute or two. Just take a minute or two and do this. List as many procedures as you can in your classroom that you think you already have in place that you think can help your classroom run more smoothly. I want you to be aware of those right now. So go ahead right now and pause, take a minute or two, and try to write out a list and see how many you can get. I told you I had about 20 that I had in my book. I have more than that, but, but how many can you come up with that you know are in place and running smoothly with your team right now? So go ahead and do that. Pause and and please do this activity. Okay, so hopefully you did that. And now what I want you to do is, in a second I'm going to have you pause again, and next to that list or below it, I'm going to have you make a list of areas in your room that you think don't run smoothly right now, that you think are problem areas that waste time, that cause frustration, that get kids off track. What are some of those areas? And either highlight those uh, on a line next to that or below it somewhere, or... Or be more specific and say, I think I need to work on a procedure for this. How do I get kids to do this? Stop talking when they come in. Or how how do when they come in, they know what to do when the second bell rings and, you know, I want to get started. And I'm still trying to teach them every day how to do that. I shouldn't be wasting time on that. It's frustrating. So so go through and make that list right now. So pause. I'm going to have you pause and do that right now. Okay, great. So what you have now before you is a list of what you're doing well and areas that you want to grow in. Now I'm going to give you a homework assignment. All right. This is your homework assignment. What I want to have you do is between now and let's say one week from now, make it seriously, make this a homework assignment. Take it seriously. I want you to take your list and I want you to show it to a teaching partner that you work with. If you have one that you're close with or even better yet, do it with them, but extend it out and and talk to at least three other teachers than your teaching partner in your building that you admire that you look up to oh my goodness in my building i was so lucky when i first started teaching that i had so many teachers to do this with but i remember i had two teachers in particular i'd go to all the time betty Nover and pam ogle and i i just i wanted to be like them they were master teachers and so i remember i would go to them and i would i'd just badger them with questions. But because they knew, I looked up to them and I told them, I, you know, I think you guys are such great teachers. I just want to learn from you. Believe me, you you say that to a teacher and you're sincere, they're going to give you as much time as you need, and more probably. Because now they know, wow, you really appreciate them and you acknowledge what how they're doing in the classroom. I bet if somebody did that to you, you'd give them as much time as well. So find these teachers. Here's a great question to ask them. I would add this to your list and that is what three or four procedures do you think are the most important in your classroom to help you have a smooth day that helps your kids stay on track? What are your top three or four that you think I should be thinking about? And could you go through the steps of how, what those procedures look like, how you taught those to your kids? Because I want to teach those steps, and then I want to model them, and then I want to practice them with my kids so that they actually get to do it. And that's what I'm going to have you focus on next in your classroom with your kids. And again, this is for 21 to 30 days. You really want to stress this. And then you obviously throughout the year, you want to touch on them again, but you probably won't have to very often. But I really, truly want you to identify one or two. I would, I'd like triage. I'd put your most important uh, procedures in your classroom to keep things running smoothly. And I would take one or two of those a day and I would introduce those to your kids, tell them why you want to introduce them, and how it's going to save time, cut down on frustration, cut down on, you know, any consequences or, or wasted time that's going on in, in the classroom that will save them more time, maybe even for a little bit of extra recess time so that they'll want to engage in this with you. And then I would go through the steps and say, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and this is going to help it run more smoothly. Let me model this with you. Let me show you what I mean, what it looks like. And then I would show them what it looks like, sounds like, whatever. And then I would actually practice it with them. Let's all go through this right now. Let's. When I say go, we're going to light up in the hallway. When I say go, we're going to pull out this assignment or put it in our desk and pull out some some other book and open that up to a certain page. Let's see how long we can do that. In fact, I might even give you like a 30 seconds in that procedure to say you have 30 seconds to get this done or whatever. Okay, so, but you're going to actually practice it with them and then you're going to do this several times. And then when they do it, and this is the big one. You want to celebrate it with them when they start to do it and, and, and do it well. You're going to say, guys, you're getting this. This is awesome. I said 30 seconds. You guys are ready in 15 seconds. I might even put that on the chalkboard as a record to try to beat. That was how fast you guys were working. Nicely done. Good job. And this is the key. By taking time to celebrate those procedures with your students when they do them, even before they do them, sometimes you're gonna—it's—it's it's what I call front-ending them rather than back-ending them. Too many teachers, too often, we wait till they don't do something. We go, guys, I told you we need to be quiet in the hallway, and you guys are so noisy in the hallway. I was so embarrassed the way you just handled, it. and you come in and you start, and they get it beats—it beats them down. You know, it's like it's it's deflating them. It's not inflating them. It's not uplifting them. You're bringing them down. So what I would do is as my kids were lining up, I would sometimes, and this is sincere. Everything it has to be sincere. It's no good. I would say, guys, we're going to line up just like you always do. I you know, I, I just want to thank you in advance for, I know how you're going to line up. You guys are so good at this. You line up quietly. We walk down the hallway together. Nobody has to shut their doors. Nobody's going to have to worry about putting things back on the wall because you were touching the walls. You guys are so good about staying together, no stragglers, single file line. I just want to thank you guys. It just means so much to me. And as you know, other teams are starting to notice this. Winning teams attract fans. You guys are really starting to become leaders in this building. But I just hope we have another week where you're doing that. Just thank you so much for that in advance. Instead of waiting for them to make a mistake and and get them on the back end. Now, if they do make a mistake, I'll I'll call them on it. But I I keep it very short again, but find time to praise in front to really get them built up. So that's something you want to do. Basically, I praise more than I complain in my classroom. I try to praise them more than I complain, but again, it has to be sincere. So again, take these procedures, teach one or two at a time each day, and then keep them going, but add another one on. And, And then triage them where your most important ones are done first so that the ones that aren't as time wasting or as frustrating or whatever you can eventually get to, but don't try to hit them with 20 at once. Take one or two, really play them up, teach, model, practice them, praise them, and then add, you know, over more over a course of 30 days. That's going to be at least 30 procedures you have in place that most teachers don't take time to teach very well the whole year. And the problem is why they do that is because, and this is important, Too many teachers expect them to come in already at an age where they think they should know how to do that I'll give you an example. I was in a lunchroom a number Years ago in my school and I had a teacher come in and she was complaining about her. She did this often which, by the way, she would come into the lunchroom and she would talk poorly about her team. And this upset me because that's being disloyal. How can you lead your team if you have a group of students that you're putting down behind their back? And I I, I hear teachers do this way too often. I'm sorry, I do. And this upsets this me. You can hear it in my voice right now. Is that they will sit there. They sometimes even go out and they'll say, oh, my kids this year. I can't believe. Them. My kids, my kids, my kids. They'll go to other teachers. They'll sometimes go on social media. I have seen teachers go on social media, even... Even like on day three or four and put their team down and say, oh, I, got a, I, I heard one once say, I got a group of animals this year. That was like day three and they're already putting their kids down. What do you think that does for our reputation as a whole as teachers? We sound like whiners and complainers, but most importantly, it shows we're disloyal to the people we lead. Hey, if somebody was putting me down as my leader behind my back and I found out about it, I wouldn't want to follow them anymore. I would have lost all respect for them. You cannot afford to be disloyal. My teaching partner and I, we had a pact. We would never talk poorly about our kids out in public. We may have private conversations where we had concerns and we would talk about our concerns and how we could improve upon that. I may go to my principal and say, I've got a concern about my students who are doing this and I need to try to figure this out. Or another teacher, can you help me with this? I'm trying to figure out how to get my kids to do this better. But I wouldn't go in and say, I've got a bunch of animals. I want my kids. I can't believe them. Kids pick up on that, like I've said earlier in these podcasts, is that they, they can read you, you know, and, and sometimes words, obviously, but sometimes you don't have to even say it. They'll pick up on it, that you don't care about them or that you don't care for them or whatever. But don't be disloyal to your team. By the way, this one teacher, as she was complaining in my, in my lunchroom, I finally got fed up and she goes, she'd always end it the same way. She'd always say, "There's are sixth graders, they can't even walk down the hallway. Finally, one day I got so fed up, I looked at her and I said, have you taught them? And she said, excuse me? I said, no, have you taught them? And she goes, taught them? You're a fifth grade teacher. You should have taught them. They should have known that in fifth grade. But they're sixth graders and they can't even do it. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, maybe they should know how to walk down the hallway in fifth grade. But have you taught them? Every leader is different. Every teacher leads their team differently. Have have you taught them your way? Don't put that on the kids. Put that on yourself. We often do that to parents as well. We put that on parents. We say, I can't believe these kids. They don't even know how to behave. Parents, you know, what are they doing at home? What are they doing? Parents are going to pick up on that too. And again, that's not going to help your, your relationship with parents to be partners in, with you throughout the year to help make this everybody's best year ever, including yourself. Right? But parents don't have 26 kids sitting in their house for two or three hours at a time, maybe before they get a break, and they're trying to manage them. So it's not the same structure. So to compare that structure at home to what you're doing at school is not a fair comparison, in my opinion. So I said to her, you know, do you teach them? Take the time to teach them your way. And that's what I'm hoping you'll do. Instead of complaining about your kids and think of it as they're, they're the problem, they're the behavior problem back up and think maybe it's a procedure I forgot to teach, that I need to teach. And it will make a huge difference in a very short amount of time. I'm going to finish by saying this. This is something that I'm not just asking you to do that I thought up. This is something that many, many different teams do. But I'm going to pick probably one of the most important teams I can think of. And that's our military. The people that serve in our country to keep our freedoms. Every branch of the military teaches How to do procedures right from the get go. They don't assume their adult, young adults are coming in to serve that they have all these procedures down that they're going to want them to know. In fact, they don't take anything for granted. They teach them their way from the very basic to the more complicated, but they start with the very basic. They teach them how they're going to talk in the military, how they're going to stand, how they're going to dress, how they're going to eat, how they're going to. Fall in when they say fall in. And I mean, they teach the most basic procedures because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get them procedures in their mindset. This is something that will save their lives, that will make things run smoother, and that they are expected. And the military smart. They start with the most basic ones. How do you make your bed? How do you dress? How, whatever. They do it and, and they make them do this, but then they start adding on more complicated procedures with more steps they're going to be in life threatening situations where they're going to have to remember the procedures and they won't. They don't have to think. They'll just do it. It's like the time we got rid of the babysitter in my house, right? We didn't have to think. We just did it because we had practiced enough that it became a procedure. They can just lean on the procedure that it, it becomes a habit that they can do it under the most stressful situations. Now, your kids aren't going to be in those kind of stressful situations, but to them, they still feel stressed sometimes in your classroom and they may not be thinking straight, especially during testing or, you know, when certain things are going on, you still want them to behave like fire alarms. You want them to get out of the building in case it's a real fire. You don't want them to panic. So we teach them the procedures and we practice it. Procedures are important. Winning teams have procedures, and they, and they make sure that they teach model practice and praise those procedures so that everybody on the team falls in and learns them, and it becomes a habit that elevates not just the individuals on the team, but the entire team and helps you complete your mission, which is to make it the best year ever. So please, think about these over the next week. Talk to some people, some three teachers, and, and ask about procedures and reassess your procedures and give them some thought. I, I guarantee you it's going to make a huge difference. Well, again, I want to thank you all for taking time to listen today and, again, for sharing this podcast with others. Please keep sharing and please keep listening. It means the world to me. And also, again, I want to thank you guys for being heroes, for the the work you've been called to do and and to be the heroes you've been called to be. So I want to thank you for that. And, And please remember, best year ever, you have the power to make it happen.